microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Mrs. Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's <laughs> a big plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another episode of... Episode. Another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the intrepid... Remember, we have issues. I know we have issues. It is the intrepid trio. Okay, the intrepid duo this week. Uh, Kylan is out in the field. Doing what? Don't know. Probably rolling around I think posies. he mentions... No, I think he mentioned taking the hell of us to get it waxed. Okay, then, then why is Jarvis sending back images of Kylan rolling around in the ground and making dandelion necklaces? Some things we really just should not. This, this is true. This is true. Um, but we've got two of the three, and just ask Meatloaf. That ain't bad. This is true. And yet, we had to go there, and I don't have that sound drop. <laughs> and that's actually off one of my favorite albums of his as well. I believe that's off. No, that's off Bad Out. Is, is that off Bad Out of Hell? Is, is, that's off Bad Out of uh, Hell, right? I think it is. It is. Yes, it's 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 off that one. Okay. I, I'm thinking for some reason Midnight at the Lost and Found, which is actually one of my favorite albums of his. Uh, it's possible now. I I don't remember. It's been so long since I've listened. Bad Mike. I know it. Bad Mike. <laughs> um, well, let's get some business stuff out of the way. Check out MightyMarvelGeeks.net. It's a place where you can get the shows, uh, get the subscription links to iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, TuneIn, wherever else you listen to shows. Uh, also, check out our affiliates, Superhero Stuff, who carries BioWorld merchandise. And with BioWorld, there's some cool Marvel keychains, backpacks, and all that that they um, manufacture and sell which you can get through superhero stuff and superhero stuff's doing a star Wars, the last Jedi hero box, two different levels. There you go. Silver and gold. So some cool stuff there. Um, and also check out ripped apparel. Uh, they got some great t-shirts like the one we gave away back at celebration. Uh, that mm-hmm. was star Wars, but they've got, uh, some cool Marvel stuff on there as well. I have not had a chance to get something Marvel from them yet. I haven't found the right piece that really screams at me, but there's a bunch of great stuff on there, so check it out. And you will. You will. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Marvel Geeks, on Facebook at Mighty Marvel Geeks, Instagram at Weeby Geeks. It's a joint. It's just an, for Instagram, I just went, it's Weeby Geeks. <laughs> Make it easy for everything. Um, <laughs> Tumblr, I think we have. i just not positive. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, or questions comments concerns email us at mmg at mighty marvel geeks.net so now that that's all out of the way 
Let's get into some news. And and I, I did not wait for you to do apologize. It's okay. You know why? Because I was just so excited about this that I had to start talking. Thor Spoiler Ragnarok. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Thor Ragnarok is a cool movie. You know how cool? It thunders past $500 million at the worldwide box office. This wow. according to Deadline.com, which uh, let's see. Uh, when was this posted? This was posted uh, today, actually. And we are recording on Thursday evening, uh, November the 9th. And as of yesterday, Thor Ragnarok has reached $502.3 million worldwide. Now, this makes uh, Thor Ragnarok now becomes the 12th consecutive Marvel Cinematic Universe film to reach that threshold and the 14th to do so out of seven. So think yeah. about this. Think about this. $500 million is not a bad haul for any movie. No, it's not. And Mar the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel Studios, 14 out of 17 movies have done at least that good. That's that's pretty astonishing. Yeah. It, 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 it is to me anyway. Your mileage may vary, but it is for me. Now, uh, the way that it's uh, got got there is uh, $147.9 million domestic and $354.4 million at uh, the international box office. Uh, the top five offshore markets uh, through yesterday are China at $69.8 million. Uh, United Kingdom, 29.4, uh, Korea, 20, Brazil, 20.8, and Australia, 17.4. Uh, then you've got uh, France, Mexico, Indonesia, Russia, and Germany rounding out the top 10. Okay. So that's, that's actually pretty good. Uh, it is, uh, let's see, it is playing better than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Doctor Strange uh, in offshore markets. And it says that uh, Thor, Thor Ragnarok is on track to add another $60 million this coming weekend. Wow. That's impressive. That is impressive. And considering that the Thor movies really just – the past two just weren't as popular as some of the others. Of course, it wasn't as popular as Iron wasn't really as popular as Captain America, especially Civil War. Right. But I think I think it I think Thor found his voice this time. Uh, that's what I've been saying. I I haven't been thrilled with the first two offerings. I mean, Thor was was good. I liked the first one. I liked the first. One. I thought I thought the the whole fish out of water thing was amusing, and I enjoyed it. Right. But I did like the Shakespearean undertones that that played through it, and and I credit Kenneth Branagh for for his directorial vision bringing that in there. Yeah. But this one, this one, I think Thor, Thor and Hulk as kind of a a buddy movie, and that's essentially what this appears to be. I say appears because unfortunately I have still not seen it. Unfortunately, I have not seen it yet. Either I know. one of our group has seen it. That's the one that is not here. Yeah. So, but there you go. Uh, congratulations to everybody that was involved in the movie, from the director down to the whoever ran the little catering wagon. Yeah. Well, well done. He, here, here's the here's the other fun part. Um, according to Mashable dot com, 
the entire cast of Thor puts on a budget live play for unsuspecting moviegoers. Uh, Are we talking like Rocky Horror type live cast? Sorta. James Corden struck the or stuck the entire star-studded cast of Thor in a cardboard budget school play version of the hit movie. Uh, the late late show host sprung the surprise on a bunch of very lucky, unsuspecting movie gover- moviegoers, interrupting the movie minutes into the beginning. Corden then brought brought out each member of the cast in their roles, uh, starring Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston, before introducing Kate Blanchett, Jeff Goldblum, and Mark Ruffalo to the stunned audience. While it's, incre- while it's incredible to see the Hollywood stars in a budget version of their movie, it's even more amazing they didn't seem to crack up while acting out the whole thing. <laughs> the best part was when Blanchett cracks Thor's cardboard hammer just as she does in the movie while wearing the same piercing smirk. At this point in time, how long before you turn around and turn it into audience participation like the Rocky Horror Picture Show? You think it has that potential? Uh, very well could, especially when you get Hemsworth going, ah, I know him. We're friends from work. And the whole <laughs> whole theater does it. That that could be entertaining. Yes. That could be entertaining. He's a friend from work. Uh-huh. Tell me you didn't bust a gut laughing the first time you saw that. Oh, that's when I, w- I went, this movie is going to be worth going to. Yeah, this and, this and and did I not say that after I saw the trailer for the first time and we talked about it, I'm like this Thor movie I'm excited for. There you go. I do believe I remember that. So, but yeah, I tell you though, it, hopefully I will be able to see this movie sooner than it took me to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <laughs> you know, you know how I say that? I tell you how I say that. Because I just now saw it. I just now saw it night before last. And the the whole, if, if you indulge me for a moment, it goes back to opening weekend for volume two. Uh, my son made me promise that I would not go to the theater and see it. And, and so I'm saying, okay, we'll go opening weekend. We'll go opening weekend. Friday, they have an early day off from school. School let out early. And he is invited a bunch of his friends from school for a birthday outing. What do they do? They go see volume two. And I just, I never got to it at the theater. So that, and I bought the movie when it came out on me and it sat on my shelf for however long did not even crack the, the shrink wrap or anything like that until Tuesday. Tuesday, I laughed my butt off the whole way through. (laughs) I, this People were saying that it was not as good as Volume 1, and I see where they would say that, but I still disagree. It's different. Right. It has a different tone, but to me, the the different does not mean worse. It does not mean not as good. Right. But say this, my favorite – well, one of my favorite parts, or rather I should say five of my favorite parts were the post-credit scenes. Yeah. And I think I think there is uh, plenty of uh potential uh, spoilers in those scenes. There's a lot there's quite a bit of foreshadowing as well. Yes. Uh and let's just go ahead and start with getting the band back together scene. Is, is that's what I call it. Yeah. 
because you have you have Sylvester Stallone, Michelle Yeoh, Ving Rhames, uh oh Lord, was it uh Michael Rosenbaum, I think. I think that's the guy's name. I think so. And and even and the voice of Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Yes. She came in like a wrecking ball or a dismembered robotic head. Uh, so the characters that you see in that scene, they are Scar, Alita, Charlie 27, Martin X, and Mainframe. And the red guy who didn't speak but did a thumbs up, Krugar. Yeah. Now, if you're familiar with Galaxy in the comic books, these names should sound very familiar to you because – with the exception of Mainframe and Krugar, these were the founding members of the Guardians of the Galaxy, the original team. Now, these are the characters that I was familiar with before the movie came out. And they did change them up a lot, and Gunn himself even said it. He said, these are not the same characters from the uh, the comic books, which we knew – with Yondu in the first movie, because a all these characters originally were a thousand years in the future, and some and some of them had superpowers. Uh, it's like a Starhawk. Starhawk and Alita was like a really to each other, but they pretty much inhabited the same body. Right. So it's you know, and Stakar uh, was more commonly known as Starhawk, and he had light. It, but they both had light-based powers. His was more laser energy, whatever, and Alita's was more uh, solid light, hard light. Um, Yondu was still Yondu, except for the fact that he was uh, very anti-tech. He was like a, a primitive warrior shaman kind of thing, uh, more of a samurai, you might say. He had right. a very strong code of honor, but he he was very he he would not use technology. Um, Charlie twenty seven. He was from a uh, colony Jupiter, and so the reason they're very tall, very broad, very strong, is because of the gravity. Uh, Martin X. He was from Pluto, and basically they had their consciousness uh, uh, was transplanted into crystalline bodies, and Martin X could. Basically, had control over temperature. He could, you know, like he, uh, he make things hot or cold. And Krugar was not one of the original members, but he was the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth in the 31st century. Doctor Strange had already gone and became the Angel. And so, when you first see Krugar, he has Strange's cloak of levitation. I want to say the Eye of Agamotto as well. Right, right. Uh, mainframe, mainframe was the AI of an entire planet, and it was Vision. Like, say, from the Avengers, Vision, uh, his consciousness had been downloaded into the AI of this planet. And so, basically, he was the he was the planet. So, basically, you're looking at a lot of comic book history in a very brief cameo shot, or mid-credit scene, post-credit scene, whatever you want to call it. And I literally begged James Gunn on Facebook, more Krugar, more <laughs> Stakar, more Ch- this bunch, with the exception of Miley Mainframe. But and I, I really want to see more of this bunch. Yes, I know they're, they're a deviation from the original bunch, but I want to see more of these. I want to see if any of them actually have abilities, have powers. Now, another one, uh, let's see. 
Oh, yes. The one where Aisha is brooding in her chamber. Yeah. And you see the birthing pod. Wonder who that could oh, be. Oh, yeah. She says, I will name him Adam. Gee, I wonder how many Adams are there in the Marvel Universe? Well, only one that we really need to worry about. And that, of course, is Adam Warlock. So, yeah, I think we're – you know what? He plays a huge role in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. So I, I, it makes me wonder if we're going to see him before uh, before we see the next Guardians movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is kind of a double shot here because you see this played out during the movie and in post credit scenes. That, of course, is the scene with Stan Lee and the Watchers. Yeah, which was great. I, think was, I, I loved it. I loved it because there is that fan theory that Stan Lee, the, his character, that or his all the cameo, and that he is a Watcher. Well, doesn't look that way. But the fact that he's like it, it, the he's he's listed in the credits as the Watcher informant. I think that is the perfect. It's the perfect. It's the perfect cameo for him. Yeah. And I think we're going to see it. We actually did kind of briefly see Watchers in the first Guardians movie, or what we th- what we think may be Watchers, when the Collector is talking the uh, the oil and the uh, the Infinity Stone inside it, where you see like a, a computer screen image where some aliens try to harness the power of the stone and. You know, wind up getting annihilated. I mean, they looked and were dressed kind of like uh, the Watchers, right? So I think we're going to see some Watchers coming up. I, I, I one of the things I lo- I loved was he um, sitting there going, "Yeah, I was dressed like this here, and I was dressed like this yeah. here. This time I was a FedEx delivery guy or something like that. Yeah. This one time at Bank yeah. Camp. So I'm like, sorry. Now, that's really the most spoiler that we're going to see because, you know, the scene with Teen Groot, I and mean, we know we're going to see Groot again. We right. know we're going to see him in Volume 3. I see him in one of the Avengers Infinity War movies. I, you know, it's, it's possible that we'll, he'll be a teen. It's possible he'll be an adult. As a matter of fact, but I am betting that it's going to be Groot as an adult because guard, both Guardians movies are set in 2014. Right. So there's been well, Avengers Infinity War. When's that? That's coming out in 2019. Uh, Infinity War comes out next year. Okay, next year. And then part okay. two in 2019. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. So, say 2018, that's been four years. I think Groot is going to be adult Groot by then. And let's say, what's the, what's another one post credit says, oh, yes, probably one of the funnest ones, where Kraglin is trying to master the arrow. Yeah, that was good. That was, that was hilarious because I will say this. I felt sorry for Kraglin, for, for his character, because – He's not a bad guy. He's just fallen in with the wrong crowd. He's, he, he reminds me so much of Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove. He's he's not an evil guy. So of all the of, of all the ravagers that were on board Yandu's ship, I'm glad he's pro- he's the only one that survived. Yeah, yeah. So 
and it's kind of like you know he was he was kind of the family kind of family i liked having and i hope that he is still around in volume three and i don't see any reason why he wouldn't be i don't i don't see any reason why either now is he is is he going to be good, as good with the arrow as Yondu is? I hope not. I hope not because that just you can't be as good as Yondu. Well, Yondu's Mary Poppins, y'all. Well, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's those those are the those are what I think may be spoilers. That this is what I think is going to come out of these. Uh. Now, going back to uh, Sylvester Stallone's character for Justice, uh, James Gunn told Yahoo Movies that uh, he is fantastic in the movie, and it's a very important part of the Marvel Cosmic Universe. Yeah. I want to see what he means by that. I know how it, how he plays into the comic Cosmic Universe, but I want to see how that plays out cinematically. I guess we will. I, I'm pretty sure we will. Uh, I'm, I'm quite sure we will as well. Yeah. And I'm just going to say my, my last comment on Guardians Volume 2, Star-Lord forming the giant Pac-Man. Yes. <laughs> that to me was just – it was – Yeah. Yeah. Serious. It was it, it was one of those I, – I had to pause the movie. I was laughing so hard I could not breathe with it. Yeah. And please tell me cause, because you have strong Disney connections – Seeing Kurt Russell, even a young, the the younger Kurt Russell versus the older Kurt Russell, tell me you didn't have flashbacks to movies like The Computer War Tennis Shoes. Oh, I did. All the old, the old what was it Medfield? Yeah, yeah. Medfield College, Dean Higgins, Dexter Riley, yep. Ed Begley Jr. Yep. All those Kurt Russell movies. At Sky High. Oh, Sky High was great. Yes. So. Yeah, I just yeah, I I love the movie that the the post credit scenes are gonna come back to to have a pretty significant role uh, in the in later movies, not it, just in the Guardians and franchise. It, either. And it did because there was that cameo of Jeff Goldblum as Game Master. Yes, yes, and that's one where see that wasn't a post credit scene. This is probably the sneakiest cameo you'll ever see. Yeah. Because it's not it's not in a scene, it's just like a little animated bubble During as the credits, the credits are rolling. Yeah. yeah. The credits themselves are almost an end credit scene on their own if you pay attention because it's almost like a music video to some extent. Well, yeah. So, well, speaking of videos and music and okay, maybe none of that. Big news out of the week. Disney is reportedly in talks to purchase most of 21st Century Fox. Now, you're probably going 21st Century Fox. Isn't it 20th Century Fox? Well, yes, it is. Um, talks have been taking place for the last several weeks, and the deal would include 20th Century Fox, which is 21st Century Fox's movie studio. Uh, mm hmm with this, the deal could reunite Marvel's X-Men and Fantastic Four, bringing those characters into the MCU. Yeah, I remember I saw this. I was first reported by, I think, CNBC, was it? Yeah, uh, on the then first. Bloomberg picked it up, and just about everybody and their brother was talking about it. Yep. And uh, 
the thing is, uh, Disney cannot have more than one broadcast company. Right. So they could not buy the uh, the that part of it. Well, I, I get to that here in a couple minutes, in a paragraph or two. Um, now, the other thing this does is it brings home the rights to the home release of the theatrical cut of Star Wars. That's right, because the first Star Wars was uh, was under 20th Century Fox. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, all the others have been up until Force Awakens and Rogue One and now The Last Jedi. Um, but how amazing would it be after Episode Nine to have the fanfare back again? That'd be pretty cool. It, it would be like coming home, wouldn't it? It, it would. Now, um, as the article stipulates, 21st Century Fox is simply not big en- a big enough media company to be able to compete with the changing entertainment landscape that has developed as a result of you know Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and the the threat you know and Disney's own coming down. Which there's some big news with that on the Star Wars side. That we'll talk about this weekend on Wookie Radio. If you hadn't already heard already, right before us with Mike, Kylan, Mike, Derek, and Ken, the smuggler. Wait, I'm that Mike. I just realized Sorcerer Radio gets two hours of my voice. Whoa, scary thought. Thank God it's Saturday. Thank God it's Saturday night. <laughs> um, what? Since Disney is prohibited from owning two broadcast companies, the deal would not include Fox, but would include FX, National Geographic, FXX, FXM, et cetera, et cetera. The deal would not include as well Fox Sports, as it can be seen as an anti-competitive for the sake of antitrust laws, since okay. Disney already owns ESPN. Yeah, stop you right here. Do you remember – a week or two ago, we were talking about Marvel uh, not being permitted to shop Marvel shows to any network not owned by Disney. Yep. Think about this. This would make perfect sense for them to say that, to put on it, if they're planning on getting like FX. Well, have you not noticed? New Warriors, New Warriors, FX. Have you not noticed the influx of Marvel movies that have been playing on FX? In the last six to eight months? As I don't watch a whole lot of cable TV, no. Yeah, there's been quite a bit. We're talking Thor, Thor the Dark World. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Avengers have been over on uh, – Age of Ultron has been over on TBS and T- or TNT. One of the t- I think it's TNT, but still. Um, now, here here's the, here's the fun part with this whole thing. Later in the day, news breaks – that yes, Disney was in talks, and the talks were serious, but the deal is dead. So why are we talking about this? Why are we doing the whole thing and not just saying? But it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Well, it it matters a little bit there, Mister Murray. Okay, it's from Meatballs. Still, it's a line that works. <laughs> Because it just doesn't matter. It, well, it does. Um, because they kind of went through the same sort of thing with Sony mm-hmm. in regards to Spider-Man. Okay. They were so very quick to shoot this down. Oh, yeah. And, and now that to me is kind of telling. 
but I, I saw somebody post this online somewhere. I cannot remember who it was or, or where it was, but it makes too much sense. And that theory is there is a deal privately on the table. Oh, yeah. They said the talks. They said the talks are dead. Doesn't mean that that's where the word that I the word that I kept seeing was talks. In other words, they're not talking. Right. Sometimes you have to be very granular with your dissection of the statement because when you say the talks are dead, that could mean that the deal is on, or it means that they're past the point of talking and that the deal is on the table and being now you. Want once this news get out, you don't want that to get out. You don't want people, but you don't want a run on say Fox's uh, stock value, right? Because anytime there there are talks about company A acquiring company B, company B's stock price goes up. Oh, very much so. And that's usually because people people are buying that stock because they on whatever potential dividend that the the A is going to shell out to stockholders. So that's what happens. Now, if you are trying to keep that from happening, that's you know, you say something like that. Or if there are still details that have to be finalized, you say that basically to give you some cover time. Right. So for my money, and I may be going out on a limb here, I may be wrong here. The talks may be dead, the deal is not dead. No. I, I don't think so either. It's, you know, it, yeah, I know I said the deal is dead because um, partially that's what the story is saying. I don't personally think it is. I think there's still the shot that it, it's, it's still going to end up happening. I mean, again, I go back to the whole, um, oh, shoot, Sony Spider-Man deal. Yeah. I mean, it was there and it wasn't there. Then all of a sudden... Guess who's going to be in Captain America's Civil War? Hello, Underoos. Yeah. So Now, let's also think about this. For the longest time, X-Men was not being emphasized in the comic book part right. of Marvel. Right. And you could, you could say that's because Ike Perlmutter just didn't want Fox getting any more you know, inspiration or whatever. But you notice X-Men's coming back. Yeah. Fantastic Four's coming back. Yeah. So that makes me ask the question, what do they know that we don't know? What's, what's been directed that we yeah. don't know? Yeah. So that, that this tells me that there is more going on than, being, than is being led on, which is usually just about anything. But I think there's, there's more fire to this smoke than they're trying to let on at this point. Right. It could be that that deal just falls apart and this goes away. Never hear of it again. I don't think this. I don't think that's going to be the case here. I agree. If you go back and you look at recent announcements, recent decisions, recent moves, it all makes sense. I may be going conspiracy black helicopter here, but it makes sense. Can like with bringing X Men back into comics, bringing Fantastic Four back into comics. Yep. Uh, you know, saying. Marvel can't ship uh, TV sh- series, can't shop it around to uh, to non Disney owned networks. This is, it, and, and you figure in if Fox wants to divest itself of the movies and trying and trying to focus on its uh, on its broadcast and sports networks, 
this makes perfect sense. Oh yeah, all this is making too much sense for it not to be real. Right. So, yeah. but you know one bonus, one benefit of X Men coming back into comics. Ooh, what would that be? That would be Excalibur. Ah. Excalibur is my favorite X title of all time. And that's even the, even the, the early nineties of, uh, X Factor with, uh, with, with Johnson and Stroma. Excalibur, uh, Excalibur, uh, came out in 1987 and got its ongoing series in 1988. You know, that's right. That's the 30th anniversary. This year's 30th anniversary. So what better time to bring it back? And that's exactly what's happening. X-Men Gold Annual Number 1. And let's see. When is when is that coming out? That is coming out. I'm looking at uh, the article on CBR. It arrives in stores January 2018. X-Men Gold Annual Number 1, written by Mark Guggenheim and Luke Williams, with art by Aletha Martinez, and a cover by Excalibur co-creator Alan Davis. And this and this cover looks awesome because it is an homage to the original Excalibur number one, and it's got the 30th anniversary logo on it for Excalibur. It's got Widget. You remember Widget? I liked yeah. Widget. Yeah, he, he was kind of like he's a little bit like Groot in that you never really truly understood him that much. And you see some changes in the lineup. Well, not the change in the other people. But, uh, they look a little bit different. It's the same. It's the same five. It's uh, Megan, Captain Britain, Rachel Summers, Kitty Pride. Uh, Kitty looks a little bit older. Looks a little bit more uh, <clears throat> confident, I should say. Yeah. Uh, Nightcrawler looks pretty much the same as always. Rachel looks a little bit different. She doesn't have the skin tight leather onesie. Uh, Captain Britain has a mustache and a beard. Which looks cool. Looks kind of like it does look cool. It makes him look like a superpowered beef eater. Yeah, you know the the Queen's Guards. It does. But the biggest change that you'll notice on any of them, Megan has a baby. Yeah, interesting. Megan has a beat. We presume is Captain Brits. I like how you so said presume you know, and not assume. We presume it is Captain Britain's. Yep. Because I can't I, I can't imagine her having anybody else's child. I really don't. There were some flirtations moments between her and, and Nightcrawler. Yeah. Yeah, early on, but hey, there we go. But I am I am so looking forward to this. Uh, it's like uh, editor Chris Robinson said in a statement, uh, once again, looking here on CBR.com, says, since the loss of resurrection, fans have been wondering where the classic Excalibur team would come together again. Uh, with this annual, Mark, Leah, and Aletha have painstakingly together a love letter to them, and the classic series we're still all talking about. Yeah. I... I have this. You remember when I said I was so looking forward to the new Nova series with uh, with Ramon Perez and uh, I think it was Mike Loveless. Yes, that's how much I'm looking forward to this. Well, I know you you were always a big um, Excalibur fan to begin with. I mean, oh yes, back before I recruited you onto the show, we had talked about that all the time. Oh yeah, I mean it was because for one thing, Excalibur was less about saving the world. And more about living in it. Yeah. 
it had more of a grounded feel to it and not quite as serious and heavy as the other X titles. And the cross-time caper that went on for several episode, uh, issues uh, – it's about episodes, but we have issues here. We do have issues. Went on several issues and just running into so many different versions of themselves. That to me – that was just – it was so – it was so – it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. That is something that you don't get a, as much of anymore in comic times. It's kind of like a lot of them. They're like, "Well, they got to be edgy. They got to be relevant. They've got to strike a nerve viewers today." And it's like, no, they don't. They Excalibur did not try to be edgy, or at least not blatantly edgy. Right. I'm looking at you, Nick Spencer. <laughs> but it was it was fun to read. Yeah, I mean, I didn't read it all the and time. That was but the I, thing that I I didn't read it all the time, but I did enjoy reading it a couple times. I I picked up an issue. Yeah. And I probably still have my run when I was collecting it way from – well, I started collecting with issue number one. So Wow. And so I've still got like the early issues in in box somewhere, and I'm hoping that it's still in very good condition because, well, <laughs> that may fund my retirement at some point. Quite possible. Quite possible. So, well. Yeah. January can't get here soon enough for me. If you – been collecting Marvel comics like we all have. Uh, I would say possibly hold on to um, your books that are done by Brian Michael Bendis. Um, Why is that, Mike? Well, Ken and Ken and Vernon, the the junior janitors over on that DC janitorial podcast. Can, Meanwhile, can, at the Hall of Justice, can can say thank you because Brian Michael Bendis is leaving Marvel or has left Marvel at the time of recording and has signed an exclusive deal with DC comics. Did you ever expect that to happen? No, I never really expected it to happen. I never really thought about it, but at the same time, when Jim Lee left Marvel, go to DC. Yeah. I, it, seeing Bendis go that way doesn't really surprise me. Now, I think one of the best memes I had seen was, it was like a fancy football thing. I trade you Brian Michael Bendis for Jeff Johns. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that one's not happening. Um, but for years, Bendis has been one of the biggest and best known writers at Marvel, uh, helping create Miles Morales and Jessica Jones, and spent many years writing them along with other iconic Marvel characters like Iron Man, Guardians, Daredevil, and more. He is now jumping ship over to D.C. Uh, The move was confirmed Tuesday morning um, that when uh, a statement in a statement issued to D.C. Comics Twitter confirming not just that Bendis was now writing for the publisher, but had also signed an exclusive deal with D.C., uh, basically terminating Bendis's ongoing involvement with Marvel. Uh, the Twitter reads, we are beyond thrilled to welcome Brian Michael Bendis exclusively to the DC family with a multi-year, multifaceted deal. He's one of the premier writers in the industry, having created so many unforgettable stories wherever he's, wherever he's been. We cannot wait to see what he has planned for the DC universe. Uh, Bendis himself followed up with his own brief statement saying, this is real. I love you all. Change is good. Change is healthy. 
I am bursting with ideas and inspirations. Details to come. Stay tuned. Of course, Marvel itself released a brief statement. Brian is a great partner and has contributed incredible stories and characters to the Marvel Universe over the years. We appreciate his creativity and professionalism, and we wish him the best on his future projects. Um, now, Bendis has written for DC in the past, contributing a Batman story to the 2007 collection of Batman's Greatest Stories Ever Told, Volume 2. Um, but this is arguably less about Bendis getting the opportunity to work with a whole universe of characters he's never worked with before, and more about Marvel losing one of the biggest and most important writers they've had. Although critical reaction to Bendis' work has had had swings, he was the writer that um, behind the recent miserable crossover event, Civil War II. Bendis is a crucial writer behind several major books at the moment, including Spider-Man, Invincible Iron Man, where he created and shepherded Riri Williams, um, who standing in for Tony Stark, uh, the Defenders, and Jessica Jones. Losing him totally for the foreseeable is a pretty final blow to Marvel Comics. Uh, to me, I, I think that the issue is what's Marvel going to do now? You know? Okay. Jason Bendis Aaron. is not Bendis is not the He's not, only great writer who has ever worked at Marvel. Right. Well, you still you still have Chris Claremont on retainer under contract who's barely being used as well. Now you got a chance for him to step up again. Mm-hmm. You got Peter Peter David who could step up again. There are tons of great writers out there. I grant you I, I agree that Bendis did shape a a huge part of the Marvel comic universe as we know it today. Right. The good, the bad and the ugly. But Marvel was Marvel did well without him. Marvel will do well without him. Right. I I don't mean to I don't say that to discount him or to say well he's not really that important anyway. Oh, he's important. He's important. Yes. And of course we do wish him well future endeavors. I mean we don't we don't want to be, you know, hating on the guy. No, because we would still but, love to have him as a guest. Oh god, yes. But the thing is I'm not going to say Marvel's dead. No. I'm not going to say, you know, Marvel should be in full-blown panic mode after this. No. Because no. there are great writers, like you mentioned, like Peter David and Chris Claremont and Jason Aaron. Well, These I guys who I don't believe, have been doing – I don't believe Jason's with Marvel anymore either because I think he's has – I believe he has stepped down from Thor as well. You know, I think you may be right. He, he's off doing but, his I mean, own, we've got, his creator own stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there are great writers out there. Some of them you bring back to the Marvel fold. Some of them are currently working for Marvel. Yep. Charles Soule. And yeah, just just to name one, gets you know, let some of the crack at uh, at some of these other characters. Okay. Some of these other titles. And plus, you never know when this may be the opportunity for a new writer to come and show what they can do. Right. I mean, the greats like you know David Bendis and 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 the rest, they had to start somewhere. Yep. Some had to give them a big break. Well, look, look at Jim Zub, 
Chris Zdarsky. I mean, yes. they've been killing it. And it's should there be some concern of why did Bendis leave? Maybe because you know Hickman has left as well. There's been a few. You know, Aaron's gone. Okay, no big deal. Aaron's gone from Star Wars. You got Karen Gillian taking over. The fran- you know, that title's in good shape. Uh, Spider Man. You you've had Dan Slotts in part. You know, major part of one of the titles. You know, if you had been disinvolved, well, now you get Chip Zdarsky doing the Peter Parker Amazing Spider Man or Spectacular Spider Man, and the writing on that book is great. It's Marvel creator wise is good. Creation wise, they need to figure out what's going on to get back on track. Yeah, I, I think they've got great parts. They just need to make sure which parts fit in the right spots. Yes. And I think part of it has been above their heads. The problem has, has not been coming from them. The problem's been coming from a pop. Right. And, and it's, it's not to say their, they're incompetent. It's above their pay grade. It's above their pay grade. And I don't think it's a case of incompetence. I think it's just strategic decisions that need to be reviewed and not. Well, it's sort of like jazz. It's not wrong notes. It's just wrong placement. No, I think just a lot of strategic decisions that the powers that be over at Marvel have have taken lately, and like case in point, Secret Fire. Yeah, it's you get burnt out, and this this may just be a case of Bendis being burnt out. Could be. I mean, he's really much, and EC comes along, waves a bajillion dollars in front of him, and says, "Hey, why don't you come write for our titles for a while?" Actually, I think it was a buck thirty three. Okay. <laughs> Inflation. There you go. So I, I would not read into Bendis's leaving as an indictment on Marvel. It could very well be. We don't know. I don't think we will know. I hope we don't know because I, I don't want to see that type of lack of professionalism if that is the case. So, yeah, I, I just – it'll be to see what goes on from here. Yeah. Well, or I should say, interesting to read what goes on from here. This is true too. Well, it is that time. It's almost the end of the show, and that can only mean one thing. That's the picks of the week, and I want to thank the Shazbots once again for the use of. The comic book shop. Uh, let's get you a little tune in. They have a new album out, so y'all be y'all be cool and go check out their new album. And, and tell them Mighty Marvel Geeks sent you. See what see what they say from there. Um, Kylan did happen to leave in Jarvis's databanks. Um, his picks. Uh, Jarvis, if you would please for you, sir. Anything. Excellent. And ah, here they are. And Kylan. Here are here's his picks. Hey guys, I'm out in the field. I'm not in the above ground underwater suborbital volcano layer. Uh miss you guys, but I plan on being back next week. But I still have my picks of the week. And so I'm gonna kick it off with uh my it'll be Defenders number seventeen. The writer is Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, the artist is 
David Marquez. Cover artist is also David Marquez. Kingpins of New York Part 2. The Kingpin's Kingdom is up for grabs, and the streets of New the streets of Marvel will burn as every major crime figure makes a play to be the next kingpin of crime. Unfortunately for them, this is exactly why the defenders have gathered to defend our streets and make them safer. And my second pick. So, defenders, first pick, Brian Michael Bendis. I wonder if there's a th- purpose behind that pick. Well, I see the serendipity at work here. Well, as we move on. Pick of the week is Doctor Strange, number 381. Uh, the writer is Donnie Cates. The uh, artist is Gabriel Walta. And the cover artist is Michael Del Mundo. Loki, Sorcerer Supreme, part one. Evil is everywhere. And the world needs the Sorcerer Supreme more than ever. But is the world ready for Loki, Sorcerer Supreme? He has the cloak, the spells. He's even got Zelma Stanton at his, as his assistant, and possibly more. But is this the chance he's needed to become a hero? Or is the God of Lies dangerously close to unlimited power? And what happened to Stephen Strange? Plus, this includes three bonus Marvel Primer pages. And my last pick of the week is Punisher number 218. The writer is Matthew Rosenberg. The artist is G.U. Villanova. Cover artist is Clayton Crane. Frank Castle, War Machine, Part 1. Now, for years... Frank Castle has been fighting a one-man war against criminals who endanger the innocent. But when a certain one-night operative offers him the tools to take his fight global, that just kind of leaves it there. But we can imagine how this is going to turn out. And as much as I love the War Machine armor, and I really do, I just imagine something like that in the hands of Frank Castle is giving me goosebumps. Seriously. Well, there you are, guys. I hope you have a good one. And I'll be back and chatting at you next week. All right? Peace. I love how he says peace after talking about a war War. machine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll start us off between the two of us since I also have the Marvel Unlimited pick for this week. Uh, Why don't you do that? My first pick is Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man number 297. Writer is Chip Zdarsky. Artist is Adam Kubert. Uh, most wanted part one. Peter is Peter Parker is back in the friendly neighborhood, but his persona non grata as far as the NYPD is concerned. Um, it's the old switcheroo as we have, as we here at the House of Ideas ask the classic question. Peter Parker, threat or menace? Plus includes three bonus Marvel premiere or primer pages. So like I said, the storyline has been great. Uh, the art's improving from from Adam. Uh, first couple issues were a little rough, uh, but it's really falling into its own, and uh, I'm I'm really digging it. Um, I, with with slot on Amazing Spider-Man, and now Sadarsky on Spectacular. Uh, yeah, I, I think Spider-Man's in good hands. 
So Okay, a- another good writer is uh, Jerry Duggan, who is the writer behind my first pick of the week. That's Guardians of the Galaxy number 147, uh, with uh, Marcus Toe as the artist and uh, Aaron Cooter as the cover artist. The Infinity Quest Part 2, The Guardians' Hunt for the Infinity Stones, begins. Their first stop, joining up with the Nova Corps, of course. Join the Guardians as they all take up golden helmets in the quest to keep the universe safe. Enough said. Okay. Well, this should come as no surprise. My second pick is Darth Vader number eight. Writer is Charles Soule. Uh, artist is Giuseppe Garmin, Garmin Coley. Legacy's end begins as Vader takes his place in command of the Emperor's secret Inquisitorist program. He sets his sights on one of the most dangerous Jedi remaining alive. That's my number okay. two pick. My number two pick is Incredible Hulk number 710, written by Greg Pack, art by Greg Land. Greg and Greg. I wonder if they thought about that beforehand. <laughs> hey, we got the team of Greg and Greg. It's kind of like Larry, Daryl, and Daryl. Uh, Return to Planet Hulk, Part 2. Stranded on Sakaar, Amadeus Cho must embrace the savage Hulk within himself if he's to survive the barbaric planet. But who call for help that brought him to this deadly planet? Can Cho conquer a series of impossible trials known as the Gauntlet, or will it conquer him? Rated T. Okay. Well, my final pick is by writer Karen Gillian. Artist is Emilio Liazzo. Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 14. Dr. Aphra's antics are causing mayhem once again. Apparently so is this intern's writing ability. Well, okie dokie. My last pick of the week is the Mighty Thor number 701. Written by Jason Aaron. Art by James Heron. And cover art by Russell Donnerman. Death of the Mighty Thor part 2. The Mangog comes to Asgard. But is one Thor the ultimate judgment? Guest artist James Heron brings his talents to the mighty Thor. It all leads to the most dramatic return in the Marvel Universe. Okay. Now, my Marvel Unlimited pick, it's going to be a little different. It's getting close for us to say, tis the season. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. And of course, you know, the Dickens carols are... A Christmas Carol becomes predominant. We see Muppets version, the Mickey's version. Hey, I gave two Disney versions right there. Um, there you go. And of course, there's so many other versions that we're going to see pop out. So I'm going to bring to you for the Marvel Unlimited pick, Marvel Zombies Christmas Carol number one. Uh, gather your family close, board up the doors, and heed well the tale of Ebenezer Scrooge. A man for whom no fire could warm, whose cold heart pumped ice through his veins, whose loose, whose lips uttered him a firm bah to any sort of happiness. Learn from his experience as he is visited by the undead corpse of his old friend Jacob Marley on Christmas Eve and join him on his journey to Christmas's past, aided by another corpse intended on showing Scrooge the origin of the hungry death. That is consuming the land. God help us, everyone. <laughs> now, this came about because I didn't know what to pick. So I asked Zoe, give me a letter. She goes, 
Z. Went to the Z's, and the only thing in Marvel Unlimited under Z was Zombies Christmas Carol. I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> quite fitting for for this time of year. Yeah. So this, I don't, I don't know if we're doing the uh, what was our favorite Christmas comic because I think we covered them all last year. Except yeah, for I think this one. we did. Except for this one. So, yeah. So check it out. Um, I think that's all we got. Any final yeah, thoughts? I think that's that's pretty much. No, I'm thought it out for this week. Well, I'm going to say again, as we said at the beginning of the show, all the information's there. How you can find us, where to find us, our affiliates, company that does some cool merch. Oh, check out our T Public store. I uh, got a new design that's on sale. I believe through the weekend. Kind of out of this world. I'll just leave. Actually, there's two designs. One's a little half, you know, the Mighty Marvel Geeks logo with a little half toning behind it. And then the other design that's just a little out of this world. So I uh, think it might translate into something like a little chemical mixture that creates chaos. Don't know. Well, son, you've got a condition. Uh, you're just now figuring that out. So. Oh, I didn't want to say anything before. Gotcha. Until next time. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. So, which is more surprising? Bendis leaving or Marvel talking... Or Disney talking to 21st Century Fox? Bendis leaving. I figured sooner or later something like this would happen because Disney I can't see Disney letting all the rights to these different franchises that uh, that are Marvel but outside of their control right. I, I can't see them letting that go for forever right I agree I, I don't know I, I think I think it's um, Kylan had it best when we were talking about it in tweet it's like I thought he, I thought he wrecked his car or something, or the Gila bus when he heard Bendis was gone. <laughs> <laughs>